0: Square Ball Podcast.
1: Hello there. Welcome to this very special live stream brought to you um with Levi Solicitors. Uh, Dan here along with Michael and Moscow to talk about Jesse Marsh's sacking. A reminder you can get ten percent off on your legal fees, Levi uk forward slash the square ball. Um he's gone then. Mm. He's gone then. Um I guess the first place to start with is how do you feel about it? let start with you, Michael, because you weren't on the match ball, you were at Nottingham Forest uh, yesterday.
2: I've just listened to the match ball on the, the way in here, actually. It's strange. I think when when we've sometimes done the, the podcast straight after the game, we've not been there. We've sort of misjudged it a bit. Like I remember the Watford game last season where people who were there were saying, oh, I was really good. You were miserable about it. But listening to you three and then knowing the move in the stadium, it was very similar. It had a, a very much a, an air of, how much of this do we have to watch? Like, it's not working, is it? Let's just, we could, we could just not do this as an option. Um, so let's maybe try do, that do let's just try that like whatever whatever is next let's try that instead yeah,
1: you caught me by surprise a little bit Moscow on the match ball yesterday when you were just saying look it's got to a point now where I feel like um, if we do anything but what we're doing it's probably worth a go
0: second half was that bad wasn't it yeah it wasn't and, great. Uh, and it's probably a bad sign as well that something like that follows a decent first half um, if it, you know you can take a full game of just normal nonsense but that kind of change when there should be a positive change steve cooper made a positive change and jesse marsh never did and i think because that game um made everything quite simple because everything had been leading up to it with all the players that we'd signed all the positive performances that we'd had everything and the winning in the cup it all came down to well when this has got to mean something it's got to mean it away to nottingham forest and we lost 1-0 and it became pretty easy after that. I think any kind of um, idea that we could just run with it and, and give him more time was very very difficult argument to make.
1: We're live streaming this on YouTube, but it'll be available as a podcast afterwards as well. So you can dive onto the uh, YouTube comments. If you are watching this live with us, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can tweet us at the square Ball as well, if you want to say hello. Um, we'll try and dive into the comments as we go as well. Um, although there are what you might describe as a lot, because there are a lot of people watching. So we will, uh, we'll do our best. Uh, I guess the second question then is, and I think we've already sort of answered it. Um, timing aside, which I think we'll get onto the timing of it in a second. Do you agree or disagree with it as a decision? It, it feels like there's consensus,
2: and that we all just agree with it. It's quite a different vibe than the Bielsa one, isn't it? <laughs> Where there was even even if we had there was a slight agreement, we were sad about it. This time, everyone's kind of like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I don't get the impression anyone's going to disagree. Are they?
1: Yeah, my my sense, my feeling today is a sense of relief um, compared to real confusion. Um, a year ago when Bielsa went because he'd taken it so high and then it fell apart so quickly and so spectacularly and even then I don't think any of us really believed he'd get fired mm. and he did and it was just it was just lots of conflicting emotions today I just feel like thank god that's over he I would, felt like he's been building up to it for a while
2: but today as well I've been listening to the, the clips that people send in the, the subscribers for the propaganda show and there's a lot more than normal I'd say there's probably about 15 people have sent in voice messages and they're all saying this is shit get rid like there's there's not a single dissenting voice saying oh well we did have some really good chances and I think if we just give him another couple of weeks he can turn this around. People were going yeah we had a couple of good chances but so fucking what because we've lost again. <laughs> <laughs> and like if you don't score them and then they do score their chance, it doesn't matter how many chances they had. The fact we contained them for the majority of the game and Chris Wood didn't do much and they didn't really carve us open at any point,
0: still scored. Is it still is it meaningful to people if you talk about starting handle on a car or are we way past that point? <laughs> And uh, it's been uh, probably about 120 years since anybody <laughs> made that, but you used to have to start a car with a handle at the front and turn it around. It would take ages and it used to be a comedy, standard comedy thing of trying to start the car. It was, it was dangerous as well, wasn't it? Because cars used to start and run people over, put it at the back. So that would happen. Um, and it's felt like that for 11 months with Jesse in particular, sort of just saying, look, one more turn of the handle, just rev it a bit more. This is going to, this, this car is going to go. And then, I don't know. How far can we extend this metaphor? What's uh, Rutter and McKenney? It's like we've got some real nice new plush interiors for this old jalopy that you just can't get started. And, um, and it started to feel by the end of the game at Nottingham Forest that um, whether it's going to be hashtag team scoobs or somebody else, but if you just kind of went, Jesse, just like, hold on a minute, stand back a sec, somebody else will come in mm. and just turn the handle. And the car will start running. You're turning it the wrong way, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> did you not did you not put did you put any WD forty on this? Oh, that's what you're missing. Like there's a simple solution to this that could just be as simple as not letting Jesse Marsh do it anymore.
1: Do you think there are any arguments for keeping him? <clears throat> like given the timing around the transfer window, underlying, you know, numbers, metrics and stuff pointed towards us supposedly being better than the table would indicate. Or is it all just down to the table that we've got to go on.
2: The underlying numbers are interesting because they've been, for most of his tenure, it feels like they've been pointing to the fact that things are going to improve soon. So why don't? They? Like there's a, there's enough of a sample size now that it would surely iron out bumps in in the underlying stats. You know, we we are, are we at some point going to start scoring goals or stop conceding them because you would think so because what's four xxg xg was like 0.27 or something yesterday, but then you look at the actual goal itself. And you've seen that goal before, where everyone, everyone's central in the box and no one picks up people on the edge of the box and no one picks up people at the side of the box. And that's where people, people score from. So when you've the eye test on it, you can't help but get a horrible feeling of like, it's this thing again. Why has this happened again? Why am I having to watch this? Like, someone needs to tell them to stand in different places here.
0: It's um, a lack of organisation at, at important moments. And, it's like, and that speaks with lack of detail. So the whole, sort of the big idea of how we play and the general principles are all kind of there and I'm sure Marsh has been instilling them <clears throat> all the way through for the last 11 months. But those details of having somebody to set them up is who is marking who as a set piece so that when the second phase happens, there isn't just somebody standing free on the edge of the box as they were in the first half and scored, as they were in the second half and missed. Um, those things just didn't seem to happen. And the, the performances, even last season there was only the win over Watford that was not a last-minute winner. Mm. That's the only game that was normal. Even And then the Brighton. Is it Brighton where we scored? Yeah, Brighton was stroking uh, stoppage time. So even when we were getting out of trouble last season, and then Liverpool this year is a last-minute winner. Uh, was it Fulham? No, it was Bournemouth that we beat last minute. It's been 89 minutes of every match, even when we're the ones that we win have been really not producing uh, an easy three points. Mm. It's unfair to sort of go back and say we only won one game. Chelsea as well this year. That was the other one that was very... um, We started early and dominated the game from the start and the result was never in doubt. But so many games that are in his win column came down to last-minute goals from Joffey or a last-minute cross from Joffey to um, Straug or last-minute from Somerville sort of, was it? were we always just bailing him out? And then it just wasn't working to that point. And they always had a Hail Mary feel to it, <clears> didn't it? Yeah, and it seems like that's been the difference between the underlying figures, which sort of say, this is all right and we should be mid-table, but the only way that we can get a result is to, well, concede a load of goals from soft set pieces and then fight our way into it and score in the last minute to get something from the game. The other thing
2: that happened yesterday as well, which, again it happens time and time again. Someone, they just ended up throwing goal. I think it was Nico Williams ended up throwing goal yesterday who's a right back, wing back, whatever he is. So he didn't seem particularly comfortable with it. But it seems so it happened in the Newcastle game, they just, all of a sudden, Joe Willock was throwing goal. They'd not done anything. They just smacked it forward and somehow there he was, stood in loads of space. The Villa goals came from that as well where we just were horribly stretched all of a sudden and,
1: it's a lack of structure and organisation isn't it I and, and I know the, like that, the, that was my, one of my, my primary concerns always
2: yeah, yeah like Bailey's goal the Villa one it was a really good finish and you could look at the stats for it and say oh well he's, it was only 0.12 xG or whatever it would be and mm. you know you could say it's lucky that he's managed to score from there but watching the game you think no that is a, that is a decent chance there and the, the reason he's able to adjusted body shape is because everyone is stretched and people are all falling over themselves trying to get back and you can't defend properly when you're scrambling about like that it's, mm. and that's, that's the way we defend it's the way we, we choose to do it mm. Yeah, I mean that's, that was always the concern for me like, it was always structural rather than anything
1: else like it just didn't seem to have a form that I, I recognised and I think for a long time put it down to I thought is that, the, is that just what Red Bull football looks like or, or is this Jesse Marsh's interpretation I mean, It was, it was always hard for me to kind of unpack that because I don't know enough about football all you, all you can do as a football fan is give it the eye test, can't you? Like, mm. you know, how does it appear to you? What does it look like? And for me, I was I was just never convinced. And, and it seemed to be the case with the, the crowd as a whole, you know, the, the the speed at which the crowd turned on him. There was probably never any or much credit in the bank, was
2: there? No, no. And you, like Moscow, you mentioned his, his subs yesterday and the idea of players bailing him out, it didn't feel like anyone was sent on with this, a plan to go, right, you're going on. I can see this thing. Is, I can see that they're doubling up on nonso. Mm. So you're going to go on and you're going to stand in this position, which is going to drag that player away. Or you're going to give them, we're going to give them the problem on the other side now because they've doubled up on that side. We're going to make them change something. It was more or less, right, you're, you two are quite good, I think. Just can you go on and play in the same positions as those people, roughly, and hopefully
0: do better and score or something? We mm. went and put more players next to Will. Yes. So, <laughs> Will, go and help him by standing next to him. And then Sam Greenwood, I think the only substitution where you could say there's a, a strategy for how we're going to get a result with Sam Greenwood coming on, because Biel, uh, Bielsa Marsh has said it before, that um, he's brought him on in the late stages of the games because set pieces could make the difference. He mm. takes very good corners. So hopefully if we get a corner in the last few minutes, which we did, And to be fair, as ever, Greenwood's corners were on the um, on the money. It was a good corner and Melier, different day. Could have, uh, <laughs> forgot about that. Could have put
2: it in, and well, I, love, um, I love the keeper going forward. By the way, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm.
0: Were you excited in the ground? Mm. Yeah, but remember, this is not a relegation battle. <gasps> there is a long part of the season to go, and uh, that that's absolutely unrelated to the fact that our keeper was in their penalty area mm. in stoppage time.
1: let should we have a chat about the timing aspect of it? We're talking about where it where it's positioned in the in the season because you can understand the urgency with which this has been done, given the form and all the rest of it. But we've had a very very bizarre season with the fact that we had the break when the Queen died, and then with the World Cup break. So they've had two long windows to try and fix things, which I guess has probably worked against Marsh, uh, for one thing. But windows where it might have been normal to make the change ahead of the transfer window, maybe? And would you ask questions about that? And, you know, and what does it say about the decision-making process
2: there? I mean, I, I would probably have got rid of him after that Fulham game. Maybe even the Leicester game. I was I was kind of already fed up of it by Lynn. And I don't think it's hindsight. I think it's fairly obvious that I've not been too into it <laughs> since then. Well, I know that there have been moments of recovery, and the Liverpool and Bournemouth games were fun. The Bournemouth, I mean, like the Bournemouth game was an absolute shambles. I know we, won, I know we won it, but you can't. I don't feel like he should have kept his job off the back of it because it was, there was no tactics. It was just we've got loads of players on and they're shitting themselves because they're no good and they can't believe they've scored three goals to get them to this point in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and so, they're
1: at a point when their when their asses just went when
2: they got in front. With Ball, exactly, they were like, they?
1: they went, oh fuck.
2: We, they, just loads of them now, and they're all
1: trying to score. That, that said, though, we have been a little bit unfair because you can't kind of have it both ways, can you? Because you, we made the changes, we did what we needed to, and we won. We scored and we won.
2: Yeah, but, but I know what you Like we
1: were <laughs> no, but we, we, I mean, I know what you're saying. We were chasing the game, weren't we? But um, as to the overall time, and yeah, it's um, after the window's closed, you can't escape that fact, can you?
0: I mean, they they found this trap a bit with Bielsa, and I don't know whether it's trust that they think will give him more time, um, and there seems to have been that with. In the theme of Thomas Christiansen. I think Andrea Ratford designer wanted him gone before, like quite a while before he went. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa. We you know it was the Aston Villa away game where he started thinking, "I'm not having this," and then persuaded to give it more time. Um, and well, then
1: I was just going to say on this one, Moscow. Um, Phil mentioned on um, on the show that we've recorded, which I'm going to put out after this.
2: Um, you've been recording that since this morning <laughs> in yeah. started at lunchtime <laughs> to get started at lunchtime nine solid
1: hours <laughs> of Phil Hayes <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well done um, no and um, Phil was just saying on that that questions first started to be asked around the Villa game um, this year as well about yeah. Marsh
0: and the thing that's got to be remembered with uh, Marsh about this season is that the summer and then the break when the Queen died and then the World Cup gave him he had two extra opportunities that most coaches don't get and fair enough i quite i don't like us becoming a club that sacks a manager once a season i think we need that you know success does not lie in that direction so giving whoever comes in um the best chance to solve the problems using the things that they're trying to do is fair um but really when you're having two pre-seasons within a season you are pushing your luck in terms of how many chances you are getting to actually get your ideas across and i think that's where um particularly since the World Cup break when we had the slightly brighter, um, well, considerably brighter performances because uh, Villa was a good performance, but again, one a little bit like the Bournemouth game where you come out of it going like, should we just sack him anyway? Um, but it's when Marsh has started talking about how long it has taken for him to make this, well, very meagre progress over 11 months. And his answer has always been when people said, well, why has it taken, he was asked in a press conference, why has it taken you? Ten months it was at the time to so start getting the team playing with the cl- with the clarity you want. Didn't know, did he? No, he just said, well, "Yeah, I've been asking myself the same It's Like, it's really difficult. <laughs> it is
2: difficult, and I think, <laughs> <laughs> what would you reckon you should have done, Michael? <laughs> no. That's the thing. I have sympathy for him. It looks it's probably really difficult to get yeah. trying to get people to you know to to do what you want them to. But that's it's a specialist. It's like trying to conduct a symphony, it's isn't it's it? A, it's a, a specialist a job team. though, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's like any job. It's it's difficult if you don't know what you're doing." <laughs> And I think when it comes down to it, Don't even try.
0: I think when it comes down to it, um, Marsh has been very taken aback by how difficult it is. Mm. I think, and uh, whether that's the jobs he's had before, because um, he, it's always said he, he entered kind of a bit of a whirlwind at New York because everybody was very unhappy about the club legend that was sacked before him and he had to convince the fans. He was going, everybody was upset because he was going into a winning team. He took over a winning team and he moulded it the way he wanted them to win and they kept on winning. So he, kept them successful. Um, Salzburg, I mean, it's not, you know, he had Erling Haaland hmm. and he had the most uh, sort of moneyed, well-resourced team in the league that just signing player after player, winning the best facilities, the best players, the best everything. Um, and they basically exist to get into the Champions League. They play in, Red Bull bought that club so they could guarantee a place in the Champions League every season and they buy uh, winning the league often enough, they stopped having to qualify because they could never qualify. Because so the coefficient goes. Yeah, have, they yeah. took it out of the football equation and has got it into to that. So we've never really been in an environment where, um, the, and there isn't really an environment like the Premier League, which I don't really like. The whole kind of this is the best league in the world, aren't we? Great kind of uh, chit chat, but it is probably in football there is not a, a league with better players because of the fortunes being spent on them. There's not a league with better coaches. Um, And there's not a league with more attention and pressure and stress. And the things he keeps, well, he has said that have been most difficult, have been the quality of the other teams surprised him um, from the start. He said that when he first, last season, he said he was describing watching the games, watching the opponents that we were about to play, game by game. He'd watch the tape and go, Jesus, man, they're really good. How are we going to beat them? It's like, yeah, it's the Premier League. Even the teams at the bottom of the Premier League now have players who you know where are we bournemouth um bournemouth, bournemouth, is the premier league
2: but they they're out <laughs> ac milan to players aren't they exactly. that's that's the world and he could
0: probably compete very well in uh serie a they'd be mid table they'd be doing all right you've got that those levels and he, that's taken him aback and then the um he was talking about like the attention on transfers is like he doesn't get that and um and when he's talking about trying to get rid of stress so that he can concentrate on just developing players which is what he was saying after the Nottingham Forest games, like I keep having to, I keep dealing with stress and I need to not have stress so that I can develop the players. There is not a way you can manage a Premier League club and not be under stress. It's the job. And if he didn't know that coming in, if he thought it was just going to be, hey, all I have to do is tell everybody to relax, create a positive leadership environment and we'll get on with developing players in peace. Um, no, you're going to have 40,000 fans yelling at you every week. He's, he was talking about that in that seminar in America as well, about how uh there's a social media mob but then there's also mobs in the stadium and as if that was surprising to him and the players are also good and the pressure is enormous the stress is great and I don't think he was ready for any of it.
2: Given his record before he came you do wonder particularly looking back at it now if he should have ever been employed because his record while he'd won stuff he'd done it in the MLS which isn't a great level is it? Steve Nickel was a manager there for 10 years.
0: (laughs) A successful one.
2: A successful manager there for 10 years and then he went to Salzburg and he did, he did very well they won stuff but then just looking at their numbers they've won they've won it nine years in a row now that league under three or four different managers they've won it 13 out of the last 16 years like not winning it is fairly difficult for them because of the mm. and, and the lo- the longer time goes on I mean the fact they've won it nine years in a row the, their power is becoming more and more entrenched because they keep winning it so they keep getting the Champions League money, so they can keep buying the better players so they can keep winning it by more the next year and it just ticks over does that so then to come into it and all of a sudden, find you're not you've not got the best players. It's like being the best the best player in your school team, then you get put in a better team, and you're like, oh shit!
1: Were you the best player in your school? God, team? No.
2: <laughs> right. playing with like some kids who are five years younger than you, then having to play against people your own age—it's that kind of a vibe I think to it sometimes. So, I know at some point managers have got to take steps up, and you you hope that they can translate what they've done at lower levels to higher levels. And that's unless you're Frank Lampard and you get to go in at a, at a good job in the first place. Generally speaking, you get a progression, don't you, where someone has to prove themselves at a youth level, then they go to a assistant manager or they get a job at you know a lower tier or whatever. Someone and suggested
1: they, to me that the leap for Marsh had been too quick. Do you think that's the case?
2: Possibly so. Maybe if he'd have done this you know, in five years' time, it'd have been fine. But he, I mean, I suppose he, his leap was Leipzig, wasn't it? And it yeah,
0: and he already it, failed that. It didn't work. And that in Leipzig was kind of the. I think it's interesting. I think I wonder if I was him now, I'd probably just go away and take a break and have a big rethink about what I'm doing because. The whole, uh, and he's done that before. When he, he his first year at Montreal didn't go wrong, and he realised it was because he was trying to be a Bob Bradley, and he'd got it all wrong. So he he took his family away around the world, came back, fresh ideas, and got involved in Red Bull. Since then, it's been like eight years of just climbing the Red Bull ladder. He described himself as the ultimate company man. With the the pinnacle of Red Bull is Leipzig. That's the big job, and he finally got it. And that all went wrong. And they regret employing him. And it was it just a mess but there's no better club if you've spent all your time learning and teaching and working in the RB system Leipzig should be the place where you just fit in and it works and they brought that to Leeds and it ain't worked in the Premier League and I think he really needs to now go like right if you're not going to get a job at an RB club and your RB knowledge isn't translating to the Premier League what are you who are you what are you doing um and you know maybe what we see of his character, with the kind of the the parts that we mock quite often, the LinkedIn stuff and the personal growth, actually is a bit of a um, a clue to him that he is the kind of person who might go, yeah, I need a step back. I need to go and do some personal development, take a year, study, learn, find a new approach. That that's something he can do, and I think um, he probably needs to do that instead of trying to manage Leeds United, which is no longer an option. Anyway. And
1: it's easy to answer this question in hindsight, but just on his sort of personality and uh, the way it meshed in with the club do you think he was ever the right personality for the club given how kind of cynical and browbeaten we are as a fan base generally you know carrying 16 years worth of um, out of the top flight um, anxiety is a big old millstone to carry isn't it it's a, it's a heavy shirt to wear as the Leeds one and it, and it's the same for the manager as well do you think he, he was ever the
2: right guy for this job it was always going to be tough for anyone following Bielsa it's another part of the job description but it it could have worked. I don't. I don't think the the person who followed Bielsa had to fail.
0: No, it's not impossible. No, the
2: person like I know similar circumstances. I guess Wilco, when had obviously had great success. By the time he left, it was going wrong. But George Graham came in, and while people didn't love him and the football wasn't great, he was able to show a progression that meant by the time he left, people were upset he was leaving mm-hmm. because he because he had built something and he made the team solid and he he brought in some fairly exciting. Players half on the cheap, people like Hasselbank and Ribera and people now, people I enjoyed watching, and there was a style there to, to it. And we actually were winning a reasonable number of games, but if we were unable to do it under Marsh. It never, it never got any better. I don't think that's. I would struggle to, despite all the additional players and all the additional time. I don't think we fundamentally moved on no. in in the case, space of almost a year.
0: I think the cultural fit as well. A few things that were kind of moments where you, I felt taken aback at some, the it was minor, but maybe in retrospect, major that he hadn't watched us uh, beating Manchester City before we played them. That, and wor- it,
1: that worried me just on a very low level. That yeah, and I kind of went
0: really um, because you think that was that would be something. And he was asked in one press conference along the way, and I tried not to take it personally, but he was asked about how much uh, research or that what he looked into of the history of the club, and he said, uh, he said, "Yeah, I've got a, a shelf of history books in my office. Are there any good ones?" I mean, there's a few good ones. Obviously, I couldn't recommend one over the other. But he said, um, he said but I think, you know, that's something that I have to, uh, I would take the time to read those when I've retired. Um, but I've had a look through and I've seen some of the pictures in them. And I was like, like not take, obviously, if he wants to read my book, that's entirely up to him or, or not. But reading about Leeds United's history after he's retired, mm. is he going to be there in his, when he's 70 odds, sitting in his easy chair? And he'll finally crack open a copy of um, it. Will probably be what it'll be one hundred and thirty years of Leeds United by Daniel Chapman. By that point, and go and start reading it, and go like, "Oh, that's why they didn't like me." Like I get it now, and all the things that he's kind of by not fully engaging with that stuff and thinking that he could come in and say, you know, the things he said about Bielsa was like, all oh, these players were overtrained, they were stressed. Nobody wanted to hear that, even if it was right or wrong. He really took on. Bielsa in the wrong way and I think he took on the club's history um in the wrong way as well he was asked before the FA Cup game um at Accrington it was one of the last questions at the press conference I don't know who was asking it but somebody said like um Leeds have a very rich history in the FA Cup that we we won it in 1972 <laughs> well we won it in 1972 Alan 50, years, it. 50 years ago and they mentioned uh Eddie Gray and he's nodding along he, he's a little when an Eddie Gray was mentioned oh yeah yeah I know him and then um uh the question came down to what um what um do you feel about Leeds Night's history and what are your memories about uh, the FA Cup growing up? And he ignored the Leeds Knight history part and went for, after a big pause, what he could remember about the FA Cup just when he was shape growing of up. The
2: trophy. <laughs> and once and once you start Arsenal play, you think
0: <laughs> And it's um and I just don't think he ever fully took that side of the, the club um and realised how useful that would be for him. And um, yeah, and then instead we had the kind of the corporate talk, um, which became. was which was
1: difficult to stomach. i sort of saying to people today, like, do I mean we were chatting about this in the car on the way here, actually, weren't we? Saying that like doing all the podcasts and the seminars and stuff like that, based on kind of what you, you need to kind of have a bit of history and gravitas mm. behind you, don't you, to to mm. be able to carry that as a voice, a voice of authority? And it's like one of the things that that's been leveled in all this is a certain number of people um, saying that people didn't like him because he was American. Um and it's not, is it? It's down to the results. It's plain no. and simple, like you, you could look past the character. You could look past pretty much the character of anybody if they win football matches for your team. I mean, look at look at what's happening at Newcastle, for example, where where people have got
2: this cognitive dissonance about um the Saudis because they're winning some football matches now. And when when we've had glimpses of this before, like Monk would talk in a similar way. Not he wasn't as good at it, but Monk would try some of this stuff. He'd obviously done some courses. The group. Where you talk Better about... Put the group on the pitch. The group and that sort of stuff. And people used to take the piss of that. But Marsh did ramp that, sort of, that side of things up. And you can, get, you can definitely get away with it if you're winning games. Mm. If All the rhetoric about a fine group of young men and removing stress and being good in moments and becoming the best team we can be and believing in, in the group and stuff. That all is fine. Like Talking about football and leadership and that building a team, it always basically sounds like bollocks. Yeah, well, But if you've, got a winning, not, if you've got a winning team at the end of it, you go, oh, well, fair enough.
0: And I think that's the important distinction. He doesn't strike me as American because I don't think there is a single American coach. There are lots and lots of different styles and lots and lots of different ways of speaking and ways of coaching. Um, I mean, it's a huge country with incredibly diverse population to describe Marsh as like a singular American coach. He's wrong. What's important is it's bollocks. He's got more in common with Jake Humphrey from Norwich than he has with any idea of kind of American. It's a corporate, almost internet. it's international to the point of being stateless. You can't really, I would have loved to hear you are talking about him not having like uh, things to, to kind of uh, concrete, make his ideas concrete. I would have actually loved him to sit there and tell us some stories about growing up in Wisconsin, because then I might've felt like he wasn't just a robot repeating that we've got to have more leadership and we've got to, I've got weapons on the bench and we're working towards this and the fine young men have got to develop. If he told us more about being a person, being a kid playing um, in the street, I would have felt like I knew where he was from, but I, you don't get the the cheeseheadness from him All that stuff is kind of... It's like he's tried to... Whether he's streamlined it at some point, whether it's something to do with um, Red Bull, because the language using German is not kind of a a cross-cultural thing. It's almost like a monocultural thing that Red Bull football has some German phrases in it, and they are just used, whether it's Red Bull in Brazil, whether it's Red Bull in um, Austria, whether it's in Leeds, and it's all just the same. So there's no... i never. I stopped seeing him as an American, just saw him as being, when he was speaking, annoying. And that that goes without, that goes beyond borders.
2: I wonder if half of his faith in that sort of stuff is because it's what he's done before, but it's maybe ignored the fact that as well as doing that, he's also had the best players in Mm -hmm. Salzburg. So you can do all that and you can convince yourself, these guys are playing really brilliant football here because of the environment we've created and the positivity and the fact that we're, we're such a great team and everyone's together. But actually, they were just Better.
1: It's like it's a bit like being so, it's a bit like being Man City now, isn't it? But but only playing like the bottom
2: seven teams, yeah, um, all year. Like so I say it, it was saying before if if you play at a, at a level that is below yours, then you will find things easy and you'll think oh, I'm a genius at this. I can't believe I have missed at the top of the show. By the way, the Levi's solicitors read saying about employment issues.
1: I should have done that <laughs> shouldn't I,
2: I remember in, in the very early days of, of like uh, internet gambling, I was about eighteen. I remember going on a, a poker site and going in one of the like the the sort of really low stake rooms. Churned like two dollars into about six.
0: Don't do this, anybody.
2: No. Well, no. This is a cautionary tale because then I was like printing money. This is easy. Went into the ones at high stakes, lost it instantly. Better yeah. players in them. Mm-hmm. Right. People aren't dicking around, and it, <laughs> and I think that's maybe what's happened with Jesse. He was so like no high stakes gambling. I he think was he's kind, kind what of what like, doing. but he was like, oh, this, yeah. this is this is all right. I kind right. of I kind of understand football. This is I know right. how, I, yeah, how, yeah, how, yeah. How, I know I know how to win these. things. I see where you're going, but now. when you're when you're against yeah. a higher caliber of opponent not the case anymore you, it's almost you, you can't just
0: get your way through it it's where there's a theory that oh it might just be my theory that he'd work well in international football mm. do the Gareth Southgate thing because Gareth Southgate wasn't a particularly good club manager day to day but he had that he has he keeps showing the ability to whenever the players need support he gives them the right kind of support that they appreciate and um, he spent uh, there's a story of him going and spending three hours with Marcus Rashford to try and address his form and get him back and that's helped him get back on the the right track, and I think Marsh really suits that. And that, those are the kind of things who, that get him going when he starts talking about them, and he gets passionate about them. But when he's talking about um, getting through the Premier League season, he just makes it sound like an absolute <laughs> grind. He doesn't. He doesn't like that. Was the other thing that started cropping up over winter. Where he's like, can't believe how many games there are. We have a break in Germany. Yep. Yeah, well, did you look, did you have a look before you came here? <laughs> um, but there are better, yeah. and that's where I think, especially with the USA job being. Um, available at the moment and probably being quite flexible in the run-up to 2026 World Cup because they don't have to qualify. There's opportunities there for them to go away. No stress. No? Yeah, not- Um The only stress is that, and this is where there is a, um, maybe the, the stereotype um, American soccer coach perhaps comes is because Bob Bradley got it at Swansea, Marsh has had some of it at Leeds, um, Armas had it at Scum, and there's the... Um, you can then look at some of the other people who were in um, MLS and the U.S. men's national team. But what it comes down to, the problem there is they're all basically the same person. They all worked for Bob Bradley. He coached them all. Chris Armas and uh, Jesse Marsh are, I think they're they're basically the same age. I think Armas is 50. Yeah, they're within 12 months of each other. Marsh is 49. They played together at Chicago Fire for years. They were, um, there was, um, and then you had the whole nepotism thing that's been going on with Greg Berhalter in the, job he is also I was going
1: an, to say that's all very
0: he's uh, another 49 year old who who I think did he play for Chicago Fire or was it his assistant who played for Chicago Fire? the problem is with MLS and US football having been is still so young it's basically orders just come back through they call it a coaching tree in the US and it all kind of begins with Bob Bradley um, and everybody is like a version of him mm-hmm. and so they, the soccer coaches are quite difficult to tell apart. But I don't think it's a, it's not an American trait. Mm-hmm. And not liking that is not not liking American people mm-hmm. or the fact that Jesse Marsh is American. It's it's that he just has so much in common with uh, Jake Humphrey. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult to get past.
2: If you go back with an English culture, just maybe think then of like Charles Reap and all the people who, because he was the long ball merchant. And loads of people just copied him. He John, was like, like Hughes did as well. Didn't he, he was yeah. like he was like the the origin of it all, wasn't he? And then everyone went, "Oh yeah, that's the way. That's the way to play." And that was about percentages and getting balls it's into getting areas the ball, where the score. It was like getting the ball into the area within three passes or something, wasn't yeah, it? But eventually, you get you get little sp- splits of it, and then people start doing different things. And you see, you, I guess you see to a degree now with Guardiola, as a, people all try and emulate that because he's mm-hmm. the most been the most successful and he's considered to be the, the great authority on it. But someone will think of something different to do. Yeah, it's, okay. it's
1: like any sort of success, anything that's successful, people always try and emulate it, don't they?
0: And that's the other thing with um, with Marsh's style to an extent, both as a, as a leader and um, particularly as a leader, is that it feels quite old-fashioned. I don't think his talk about leadership and, you know, development and um, fine young men and stuff, I don't think it's particularly up-to-date. Um, looking at what, like, because there's, there's no other coaches in the Premier League who really speak that way. And I don't know of any... Do that, but do you think that's masking tactical deficiencies and things like that? It's it's lacking... Well, it looks that way. Yeah, that's, that's, but it also... That, is, always is, I my, think, that was um, always
1: my fear when I always said, I thought I feared he was vibes over, you know, sort mm-hmm. of
0: substance. I think there's a lot of... Because um, uh, he is a, a relatively young coach in years, but I think that there are perhaps older coaches out there with younger ideas and newer approaches to... The game and to leadership, and to. And, well, and whether um,
1: you've looked outside the manual that you've learned from. I mean, I was going to say, well, let's, let's go back to the, to the record because we need to sort of speak about the threat of relegation, which is ultimately what's cost him his job. There's no two ways about that. It's the table, isn't it? Um, 37 matches in charge. Thanks to LUFC data as well for these numbers. Um, 37 matches in charge, 110, uh, sorry, beg your pardon, 111, drawn 10, and lost 16. For for
0: clarity, LUFC data got the numbers right, didn't he?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yes. And that includes. Cup games, yes, it must do. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Eleven wins out of uh, out of thirty seven. The win percentage has been flagged up by a number of people, and compared on tables to other League United managers, which is not entirely fair because you've got to take circumstance and division into account, haven't you? But still, it's not a it's not a glorious reign, is it by any stretch of the
2: imagination? No, one point zero three points per game is the important bit to look at there because that is right on the brink. It's probably all right. It'll probably keep you up. Mm
1: just but you don't want to be in that situation every year
2: do you and and no. you know if you get to the summer i think
1: and our best hope now is to probably unless hopefully that you know with a new person we can go on a, on something of a run that is better than we're on at the minute <laughs> whatever happens yeah, um, i think at best we were going to squeak over the line weren't we i mean we I mean, look look back to the evidence of of um of last season uh i mean you know the premier league is is very tight isn't it in terms of the games, that the level of quality as we, as we mentioned, and fine margins often decide games and indeed entire managerial um, appointments. But I mean, does it feel to you like probably we've only had what maybe two out and out convincing wins under Marsh? Uh, and even then, like the, looking back to the the Watford game, it's only really last season, won. one. It's only really one. <laughs> we, we ran away with that in the end, but it wasn't a particularly high quality game, was it? And then there's the Chelsea game this season as well. I and mean, that's that's one of the alarming things for me is that we never seem to have had. Performances that have
0: turned into wins. We've had good, yeah. good, good, good moments, good halves. It is hard to remember anything good that didn't <laughs> happen in stoppage time. Yeah. Wolves it- was all right. We were pretty happy on the opening day. There was a, a worrying spell when Wolves took control. And obviously, we saw uh, a ball over the top of Rasmus Christensen for the opening goal that um, was a portent of things to come. But really, a good match. It was Chelsea. And, and we, we, we
1: were really good against Arsenal boy, as well. Boy, did we let
0: ourselves be full.
1: Yeah, we. Yeah, that's the Arsenal was great. Paradoxical thing about all this, isn't it? That our best performances probably came in the defeats.
0: Yeah, and that's um, something about the uh, style of play, perhaps that it works better for some reason. We'll, we'll never know the, the reasons why that it seems to work better against the big teams. At least this season, I just looked at. I've got the four 0 to Man City last year at the top of my screen it definitely didn't work well then (laughs) he
2: did he He celebrated it
0: or against Chelsea but this year after he'd had the summer and he had a bit of time so uh, brilliant performance against Chelsea from start to finish no complaints about that we were very very good against Arsenal but the problem is you're very very good against Arsenal but they're still um, better than you so they'll score and win and then we were very very good against Liverpool and because Liverpool are in a a tailspin we managed to get a result there we would how am I going to be very charitable to us and say we were okay at Spurs? Scored three goals against them. But again...
1: Game management there, isn't it? That was the issue.
0: And also they've got the players to, you know... Mm. It, it almost becomes futile being good against a team like Spurs or be having your best performances against a team like Spurs because they got the quality to score for. Scoring three against Tottenham should not be sneezed at. That's well done. But they still have the players to score for and it kind of felt like that when we were... Three to up, and they just were like, "Right, fine." Yeah, we'll score two, and that will deal with it. It's never a disaster from start to finish. That's the point, is it? Like, you know,
1: you, you don't want to broad brush it and just say, "Well, it was p- completely pathetic." Cause it wasn't. There were moments. There were some moments which should be celebrated. Celebrate those moments.
2: The Arsenal game is an interesting one because that came after the Palace defeat, where we started all right, completely threw it away. We were useless mm. after the first half hour. But the Arsenal game, I remember coming in here and saying, "I feel like I'm fairly pleased with that because I feel like we don't have to throw it all in the bin." But then. Few days after that, we go to Leicester and put in the most dismal, lifeless performance where I don't think we'd create anything. And followed it up by losing to Fulham. Exactly. So we went, there. there's, there's never been a run of games where you've had any confidence. And to go back, I feel it feels almost cruel doing this now because he's, he's gone. I feel like I'm kicking a dead man here, to be honest. But to go back to he's, last, he's last season. He's not dead, Michael. He's just well, lost his job. That, yeah, he's fine, isn't he? With a payoff as well.
1: And I hope that's not a threat towards his life
2: either. No, definitely not. <laughs> <But> to, <laughs> go say back, very clearly, to go back to UK. His wins. Fair enough. We beat Norwich and Watford. They were dog shit. They had went down on. I just looked up last year's table. They went down on twenty two and twenty three points. They were useless. No, there is no one that bad in this in this year's Premier League. We then beat Wolves away when we were not going to get anything from that game until they had um, him and us sent off. And then you go to the final day when Brentford had nine men when we ultimately beat them, and there was a penalty and there was a. Red card in it, and it all oh, the whole And it was, an, it was an injury, wasn't it? It wasn't two red cards, it was an injury and a red mm. card. So the whole thing hinged on such, such flimsy wins. Like that the actual two wins we got against proper teams were both, I both had huge elements of fortune in them.
1: What are we going to do about the uh warehouse full of marshmallows? <laughs> 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 okay, obviously, we have not got we, we, haven't, have got, never, we haven't got we have
2: we've never gone down that route, have we?
1: No, um, but we, we have had some nice moments as well, and they should be remembered like thinking Wolves was nice even though it was kind of very stressful circumstances. Uh, it's where L- you Liverpool the, was brilliant, wasn't it? And Norwich
0: as well. It's where you put the ultimately put the credit for those because um, it is a player's game. It is weird, I kind of, you know, we don't do this when a player gets sold, do we? And players don't get sacked. It's only managers who can get sacked. So it's only a managerial sacking that will get us all around the table being very serious about what terrible job he's done.
2: Slightly forgotten about John Oster.
0: <laughs> um, but uh, players have a role in this as well and it does it did feel at times last season that you know who scored the winner at Wolves it's Luke Hailing, um, hammering the ball in for with all these worth that it was kind of a lot to do with the players just whatever they were being told to do were making it work um, which was a adaptation from them kind of what stood them all and I kind of think it's to their credit because when Bielsa came in, we all thought about that rapid six week turnaround. But it took the players to go, All right, yeah, we'll do that. And then Marsh came in and things changed and like, all right, yeah, we'll do that and we'll make it work. We'll get wins. It'll be tough sometimes. It was tough in the championship with Bielsa when we went to Forest and lost and Luke Ayling looked shattered. But then they had a big team meeting to sort it all out. Didn't they have a meeting without Bielsa and then one with him or am I imagining that? But there was a lot going on with the players going, how are we gonna fix this how do we get up how do we stay up Um, and so those the fact that so many games went into stoppage time they weren't won through tactical adjustment they weren't won through a game plan they weren't won through the work on the training pitch being really well executed on uh, the match day they were won because um, when Norwich scored we went up the other end and we're like oh fucking we're gonna score as well
2: and we did try our best to fuck that one up actually because I think we were Dominating the game and leading, and then I think we did we bring on Ailing or something to try and shore it up at the back. We we brought on a defender, I'm pretty certain in that game, and it completely knackered the whole system we were playing. And we were we were all of a sudden just invited them on, and then through the the power of Rafinha and Joffe, we managed to we managed to scrape a win from it. But after we'd gone up, which did very nearly kill me, and I loved it.
0: And don't forget that after we'd gone two one up, Melier had to make that huge save (laughs) with his face in the last. Yeah, but you can't. I think
1: you've been you possibly been a bit unfair. Because you you kind of discrediting any sort of positive stuff. But that, if you
0: give that, it all to Marsh, you're discrediting the players.
1: No, no, but it's, it's both, isn't it? Because the players, the responsibility of Marsh, you know. But we, but yeah, that was but at home was
2: against a team who who ultimately got 22 points.
0: I know that, but I'm saying and what I'm part saying, of Marsh's instructions? I'm just saying. No, I'm saying you Thursday before the game. He's saying, "Right, lads, get into the 95th minute <laughs> of the game. Let no. them score, and then we'll see if we can sort it out from there." It was none of it was planned.
1: I think it's and what I'm well, no, it might not have been planned, but even. You know, positive things can come out of what you perceive to be chaos as well. I'm just saying that you can't completely div- divorce the two from being one another because it's not necessarily fair, is it? If no, blaming, it's, it's probably. If you're, not. if you're blaming the bad stuff on him, you've yeah. got to then ascribe some of the good stuff to him, whether you believe he was responsible for it or not. You know, whether he had a direct hand in it or not. Um, what next is the question? Scoops. Well, did you we know? We predicted it. Oh, by the way, there's been
2: a. Um, I was going to say, did you notice know the club's tweet? He's. Um, they've, they've listed who's going to be in charge for the uh, for the next game, and top of the top of the billing
0: scoops yeah i absolutely love this because um and they did it when he was appointed as well but if you look at the story on the club's website trio to take charge of manchester united fixture they will do anything not to say that michael Skibala was a futsal coach it's always Skibala, who previously held a number of roles at the fa was appointed. be proud of it futsal's dead good like it's really difficult to train players to play that but they're always be like yes he had a number of roles at the fa what were they well, he was—he did coach some eleven aside games. Definitely, he, had, he was in charge of some eleven aside stuff. The coach, wasn't he? Mm, uh, the, what, maybe one of his roles. He was, a, but you know, he started very well within the twenty ones this season, and all so um, to shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, and it's probably it's it's what's good about it is that uh, Chris Armas is not the lead off, although he's involved, um, because I am skeptical about you know whether you could put a piece of paper to find a difference between him and Jesse Marshall they're just the same guy with different uh, (laughs) I think you know within 12 months of each other from exactly the same place with exactly the same career who worked together and they won exactly the same things because they won them together so uh, there was the risk there that we would just go out and uh, be exactly the same whereas now we know that we will go to Old Trafford and we will uh, be um, at least seven of our players will be very good um, in a very small part of the pitch and the rest of it can take care of it with itself. a very small ball yeah
1: <laughs> um, have you seen the rumour that's been just breaking now that uh, Real Madrid Castilla head coach which I presume is there, is like their B yeah. thing it's Raul has apparently rejected mm. the chance to become our coach that's Raul who punched the ball into the net he in cheat. the Champions mm. League some 20 odd years ago he was uh, so we don't want him do doing for that
0: he was <laughs> rumoured before and I'm sure Rob blogged about it saying that there's absolutely no way that we can have that to cheat taking over our uh, uh, football club. Um, yeah, he's been one, I think that might be just kind of looking at who have Leeds been rumoured before and we'll just go like, yeah, we'll say he's turned it down. But you never know at this point. I love the the, uh, the sort of like chasing stuff from uh, Fabrizio Romano where it's like, news, it's probably not going to be Marcelo Bielsa because that's going to get the retweets and the likes going. And it's very easy to say that you don't need to have the inside track on anything to go like, yeah, it's, I've, I've just heard, since my contacts are all saying, they're blowing up my phone saying, probably not going to be Marcelo Bielsa. Marcelo Bielsa, has just told us at Everton, like, it's the last word on whether he will ever take over a team in the middle of a season. No, he'll go for the under-21s before even considering uh, taking over a Premier League. Which he will
2: be uh, against because you won't want to put Scoobs out of a
0: job. Well, exactly. Well, if Scoobs is in charge of the first team, Bielsa in well, the, can handle the under-21s for the rest of the season and that'll be fine. But yeah, the whole idea of like whether... Um, it did not need saying that Bielsa will not be coming back. However, Fabrizio Romano has some tweets to sell, doesn't he? Yeah, Chris.
2: Chris Armas has had a hell of a week, <laughs> hell of a fortnight. Yeah. <laughs> Probably
1: still living out of a suitcase. Probably best not unpack that. But in the meantime, you've got to go back to the very place where
2: they ripped the shit out of you not incessantly last you, season. You do wonder if when Jesse's gone into him, and be like, oh, Chris, we've been we've been sacked, <laughs> and he's been like, Have, have mm, we? No. Well, well, that was crazy you, in... you are coming, aren't you? <laughs> It was You You can't stay.
0: Some of Phil's tweets earlier, was it, or uh, somebody was tweeting saying that, like, um, he is being him and you and Sharp were being, being given, like, they could decide their own futures. So it sounds like it has been like that. Like, do you want to, you can go with Jesse or... We shouldn't have Bielsa back, should, should we, by here. the way? No, of course no, I mean, don't, know, go, no.
2: don't go back to your ex. No, I don't. Well, I can't remember if he was on a podcast or whether we are just chatting about it. I've said for weeks this feels like a relationship that you know is going to end with Jesse. You know those those final weeks of a relationship where you're like, one of us should just one of us should just draw a line under this, but no one's no one can be bothered to. <laughs> lucky, it's just like Lucky Mrs. Normanton. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I ever married her. But you know, you know, like those those ones when you're like sort of 1920 or whatever, and yeah, you just yeah, sort of like bumble along. You're thinking this is going nowhere. We don't. I don't even like you that much. You don't like me very much. One of us should just <laughs> one of us just needs to be the, the grown-up here and go. Should we not? Because there's no point, is there? Um, <laughs> God, you're a romantic. So that's where we've been with, with Jesse for a while. Yeah, but, but yeah, we, B, but Bielsa is, yeah, that'd be... Um,
0: if it was the summer and we've been completely taken over by the 49ers and it's been a complete clear out and a fresh start, then there's a case to say it because we know um, how good he can be. But it does... Um,
1: I think it was of its time though, Moscow as well. It's like, yeah, it's not it, something it needs, I would
0: root for. It you know.
1: needs to
2: be left where it was. It isn't mm. going to be better than last time, is it?
0: I think the only... Uh well, the risk is it was so good could it could version two of it, even if it's not as good, still be better than Raul? so there is that yeah, I know what you mean element there of like but it will always be there as kind of like maybe that is the best option is we just I mean the best option is actually we go back to summer twenty twenty one and instead of having all that pissing around going like, oh, do we change the coach do we change the players? What should we do? Let's do neither. Um, and then letting it <laughs> run into like, oh, but I've been talking to Jesse Marsh for weeks and months at that time. Like, I think he'll be he'll be better than this. Oh, but let's not do anything about it. Um, that's the point is you actually go back there and you say, right, we finished ninth. Marcelo, what do you need to get this team into Europe next season? And he says, well, I need you to spend hundreds of millions of pounds on excellent players. And you go, right, uh, San Francisco, we've got a club here for you to buy if you want to uh, do it now and do it all then. And then things will be, we we really missed the opportunity and now we are. Um, hopefully, all I want from whoever comes next is just that we're not doing this again next do, year. Do you
1: have a specific person in mind? Or, somebody good. I mean, for me, I've, I've got a kind of a concept of who I'd like um, rather than a specific name. Because, you know, I'd like to stress I don't know enough about football. Mm. Um, but I think it has to be somebody who kind of, who, who come got a bit of gravitas, commands a bit of respect, I think.
2: Yeah, of the players that's, that's essentially all I'd go for I don't want another punt I don't want a, another Jesse Marshall or Thomas Christensen as much as I know you loved in Moscow but yeah. you know someone who someone I mean, who has come back. I don't really want someone with potential I want someone who's good now
0: Becky's proved himself at Sheffield United hasn't he He has. unfinished business missed
2: the boat on Deitch as well
0: where do we yeah. put uh, so uh, Phil at the Athletic is going for you pronounced all this really well before
1: Irayola is it and
0: mm. Andoni. Iriola from Rio... Valicano, Valicano, the same place. um <laughs> not Italian. I'd hate to be all Chilino about it, but he's good looking. <laughs> oh, oh, let's have a look. Um, Handsome man. Yeah, he's fairly,
2: yeah. Bit of a, it looks so, bit like Rob Brydon, though. Uh, <laughs> what I will yes, say he does. That, I was going to say, that picture. he's like a cross between... Um, Bruce Springsteen and Rob Brydon. That's what I would say from
0: that. Oh, you've completely... I can't remember who I was going to say now. Uh, Diego Simeone and... Um, somebody else, Rob <laughs> Brydon. <Brighton. laughs> but that's, that seems fine, like a, a good-looking person. We're in a real, um, do we go short or long? Do we need somebody to go to the end of the season? Or do we want somebody long-term? And this is the thing. I suspect that's going the, board, to be, the uh, board
1: would prefer somebody long-term.
0: Which board? Well, whatever the board is made up of. Because that's going to be the interesting thing with uh, mm. whoever is uh, popped out over the next few days is who is going to be on the photo with her arm around him, big grin on the face, saying, Really looking forward to uh five years of success with this guy. Because if it's Andrea Radrizzani and all the signs are that he's selling and leaving in the summer, then how how does he front that up? And if you bring in the people who are going to be sticking around for five years of success, hopefully, do you have Parag Marathay coming in and going like, Yep, this is the, the 49ers choice for the future? Who actually does choose and then as important for um, your favourite phrase optics, mm. who then for, presents for fans them. Of succession though, Who is the way. person out there fronting this now? Mm, I think
1: there's probably got to just be a bit of truth at, at board levels, and then they're, they're very open. I don't with, think that will catch on. No, but with <laughs> behave um, in terms of telling the incoming manager this is what you can look forward to in the summer. Come in here now and make us stay up. Mm. All right, then if you know, but you understand as well that managers don't want relegations on their CVs hopefully having an 18 um an 18 game window to do it
2: gives oh, we ag- ag- so. it gives
1: enough agency to the, the new managers to think well yeah actually that's enough games for me to turn this around
2: so we're not in the relegation zone so you're not you're not having to say to someone or you're gonna have to claw back six points to get us get us out of this is there's a there's a chance mm. is what I'm saying so it's not I don't think it's a complete dead end for a manager yeah, yeah and it sh- and it shouldn't be that hard to sell to coaches of a certain level I think because mm-hmm. you get
1: to come in on if you can get past this season, it should be a fairly decent upswing. And if you... Obviously, coaches have to have self-belief, otherwise they wouldn't be coaches, um, that someone thinks they can come in and seize the talent within the squad and say, well, you know, that that just needs a couple of players here and there. And then suddenly we're in a really
0: strong position. Well, that's the big thing as well. And that's where I was getting to by the end of the Nottingham Forest game is the players that we had on that pitch. If they weren't all crowding around Wolf Nonto on the left wing, then they would probably be doing much better. And so a coach looking through going, oh, you... He signed Weston McKenney last week. Fucking hell, yeah, I'll have, I'll have mm. some of that. I'll, I'll come and um, order him about a bit. Tyler Adams, the captain of the USA, he's very good. Jorginho Rutter, you, you spent how much on him? He's great. Pat Bamford's fit again. Fantastic. It's And Wolf Nanto's been tearing the league up for how many days? You'll notice I'm not mentioning any defenders, but um, <laughs> Max Verber adds a little bit and you've got the best goalkeeper, best young goalkeeper in Europe. Obviously, the best old one is Kayla Navas, apparently, which is a bit upsetting. <laughs> But um, there's so much there in that squad that it has it's become painful watching um, Marsh not getting a tune out of them. I and mean, that's kind of where the, the need for a change came down to. So, you know, uh, what, what if we go to Old Trafford and Scoobs gets, <laughs> gets us a 3-0 win? Yeah, that's for
2: Scoobs to have it. <laughs> uh,
0: I don't know, fully team Scoobs. I do, I think he... Uh,
1: and you're sort of berating uh, Arta for doing these sort of and hope long-term projects and you're, you're advocating for scoops depending scoops. on a futsal coach
0: <laughs> but um, yeah it's I don't I'd, so I almost feel like you could take a a, a bit of a punt if Iriola um, is a good manager and can um, you know uh, what's the phrase evolve our playing style
2: the bottom the, bottom the bottom stuff
0: changes good
2: I do find interesting because the, the, within a couple of weeks it's been oh we're all in on America here we're getting Weston McKenney to go alongside Adams and we've got Marsh there and the 49ers are taking over and they they love the whole American thing and it's their money spent that's been spent at this point, you would assume. So then you get to the you know, the week after the window and they get rid of the American manager. So maybe they're not mm. all in for the American stuff. Maybe it was coincidence. Or think, maybe they've uh, or maybe they've just thought, We're kinda of committed to this thing now and we don't fancy torching several hundred millions <laughs> millions of dollars.
0: I think they're all in for some for good. Yeah, like, for good stuff rather than American <laughs> stuff. I think they're, they're sensibly enough to prioritize that. And the thing with um, Adams, Aronson and McKenney yeah, they are all American, but they are all like good players with future potential. They f- absolutely fit that bill. And when you, it was a choice, wasn't it, between the guy who ended up going to Marseille, Un- Unai, him, Unahi. Um, so if his if the price had been right for him, we would have got him instead of McKenney So it's kind of it's not as you know, hardcore yank as perhaps it may seem, it is more like who are the good players out there? Well, the good players out there who are available turn out to be a bunch of Americans and, you know, they are good. I mean, McKenney was pretty bad on his debut and Aronson has, um, you know, uh, He's a, a, a polytomy poly uh, appendix, which isn't good. Um, but Tyler Adams looks great, so there's not really anything to complain about with, um, with those players. But I think what worries me in the boardroom is that it took, um, you know, the how long did they spend flapping around trying to decide what to do about Jackie Harrison and even Marsh again when um, the it's not even between the lines in Phil Hayes article on The Athletic about the way the club have been looking at Marsh I think and um, to sum up that article they would have really liked him to shut his mouth mm. um, don't do less podcasts don't join LinkedIn uh, don't go on Sky doing interviews saying this and that about our transfer policy Um Say less in press conference, that it seems like they've not been enjoying that side of things. And he really, when he compared it to Brendan Rodgers, who said, yeah, we didn't think uh, Harrison would be available, but um, there was the opportunity there. So we came down, I spoke to him, and it didn't happen. The end, we got, you know, paragraph after paragraph out of Jesse Marsh. I know it's rich for me to speak of such things uh, hate negatively. People, hate people who go on loads. <laughs> but... He laid it all out for us, didn't he? Where he's, like, he's even on to the point of like trying to get time zones because of the way that the ownership split was difficult around Harrison's future. He's like, right, so you couldn't get a hold of anybody. And he said that because they'd had um, the big Super Bowl game, not Super Bowl game, the big gridiron game at the weekend. <laughs> gridiron game, it's, What's it called? It the, was the playoffs. They now. were ironing some grids yeah. and they had to yeah. have a game. Um, that was going on and that meant it was very difficult to come to a decision about uh, Harrison's future. He could not have made it more obvious that it's communication between... He Even was him saying it. We had Andrea who was in Italy, Angus Kinnear's in uh, England in Leeds, and the Fortunizes were in San Francisco, and Jack Harrison's in Leicester. Oh, we have to get everybody on a call at once. Leicester is a to different, sort it out. different time zone to West Yorkshire, though, isn't it? And that's <laughs> about whether we should flog a winger or not. Making a decision about the manager for the next, whether it's going to be for the next six months or whether it's going to be next, next six years is Do you not think subject to the same thing. And then at the end of it, so they have this all this group decision who sits with him on the photo with a pen and says, this is the guy I've chosen. Well, because that, if that's, it's that's Peragmuthi, a... Radvitsani will be in the background seething. <laughs> and if it's Radvidsani, the 49ers will be well, in the background seething. What I was going to say was, I think
1: what they were, what it was describing, Marsh, there was euphemistically saying that there wasn't agreement in the boardroom perhaps, rather than they couldn't get hold of each other. I think well, yeah, but the they couldn't
0: which, get everybody together to I, agree it. And
1: I think it's a fair question to ask, you know, who, who's sent the photos this time. Absolutely. Um, but you would hope that with things shifting as they appear to be, that by the summer that that's no longer an issue. But it's
0: not. We can't wait till summer. It's February. We need a manager now. This well, is a good point. So they need to sort it out now and they need to be find a way of just like deciding without one of them spitting the dummy out. We'll talk about Jesse talking
2: himself into trouble. That press conference was a prime example because he's, he's essentially... Started, brought his wife into it at one point and he was saying we, we're really loyal to Jack I wish my wife was as demonstrated that much loyalty demonstrated to me yeah, that. Yeah. she's, she's travelled to the East Midlands to have go to be it. undressed by a man and have, have things checked and I'm glad she's done that see, I, because it proves the marriage is good
0: or I something. understood because he's saying that um bless him they've been talking about Harrison's contract for a while and they can't get to a point where they know for sure that he wants to stay and they know for sure that the club want to keep him and this bid was the moment where everybody finally, they couldn't go like, oh, we'll talk about it after the window. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. They had to decide on that day, right, Jack, do you want to stay? Yeah, I want to stay. 49ers, do you want to keep him? Yeah, we want to keep him. We want to give him a new contract with a pay rise. Right, Jesse, do you want him to stay? Yeah. Victor, do you think he's a good player and should stay? Yeah. Right. We've all had our, our say now. We all want him to stay. Bring him back from Leicester and it's fine. And until that happened... They didn't have the opportunity. That's what his point. is. Go after the jet lag as well with the time but zones. we really don't. We didn't need to hear about it. That's the thing. The Brendan Rodgers approach was fine. We're like, yeah, he was here. I talked to him. We went back.
1: Hey, well, um, we'll wrap it up there. Um, interesting to chat about it. I think I dare say it's going to be an interesting week ahead. Um, Carlos Colbrand's the favourite still. At Ellen Road and well, I'm sure we can come back and do some more of this and have a chat more about when we knew, know who the new guy is. Uh, and congratulations to Scoops. Is that right, Scoops? Team Scoops. I'm excited. Put the crown about on that it. man. Um, It's available as a podcast. This, if you've been watching it on the live stream. If you're listening on a podcast, you already know that. We'll see you soon.
0: The Square Ball Podcast.